This episode of Craft Sanity is sponsored by Jill Zielinski, a graphic designer who knits. Check out her cool gift tags and note cards at knitterella.com. This episode is also sponsored by Penny Carnival, the blog written by Megan Cooley. Shop Megan's handmade goods at pennycarnival.etsy.com. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 88 of the Craft Sanity Podcast. This week I'm going to bring you my chat with Amy Butler, fantastic fabric designer, well designer of many, many goods, from housewares to paper products. You see her stuff now in the aisles of Michael's. I know I really enjoy Midwest Modern, that was one of Amy's books, it's so inspiring when you flip the pages of it. I know Amy has influenced my life and she's made my personal crafting very fun because I have made aprons with her fabric and I have plans to make some skirts with her fabric. She also has a new book out, Amy Butler's Little Stitches for Little Ones, 20 Keepsake Sewing Projects for Baby and Mom. And I'm going to be giving away copies of this book and a multitude of Amy Butler patterns and even some fat quarter stacks. I'll just give you a little background here. Amy is 42, and she lives in Granville, Ohio. We're going to pick up the conversation with Amy talking about how the sound of her voice and how sometimes that surprises people. I don't know why I'm so soft-spoken. I mean, I is doing what I do and being able to interact with people like you and you know, going to quilt markets and meeting people. I'm really comfortable with meeting people and, and talking about you know, the creative process and all the things that are going on and, you know, sharing and swapping ideas with people. And I think on a, on a one-on-one, when you, I'm audibly, when you can hear me, I'm, I'm really, I guess I'm pretty outgoing that way. I'm real comfortable with people, but I, I tend to like, my volumes are just real soft. And like once you, when you first get to know me, I'm just sort of, I kind of keep to myself. I'm a little quiet and I just, I'm a big listener. I spend a lot of time listening and then once I get to know someone a little bit better, I'm in an environment where I'm just talking about what I'm doing. This other, like, pseudo side of my personality comes <laughs> off. And you almost can't shut me up sometimes. But, um, but I just think, um, I don't know where I get the soft-spoken bit. My, well, I, guess my, I guess my parents are kind of quieter people. Yeah, well, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's yeah. wonderful. But it is kind of funny because do you get that a lot where people assume that you're, the, oh, yeah. you know, and then they hear you talk and they're like, wow. It's a big design. It's coming out of a quiet woman. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I think about personalities, design personalities that I love, and I just they're people that you feel like you know them, like you want to get to know them. Like I think of like Isaac Mizrahi. Oh I yeah, love his personality. And he's so he's so darn funny, and he's boisterous, and he's personal, and really warm. And you know, I look at his designs, and I think, yeah, they kind of suit kind of suit his personality. But then there's sort of this buttoned up side of his design too that doesn't seem to fit his bubbliness. So it's right. Kind of funny. Well, that's the thing too is that designers, um, you know, the, the really good designers out there like yourself. I mean, you, you don't just have one vein, and it, everything's exactly the same. I mean, that's the great part about it is you can kind of you have a spectrum of work and uh, your body of work that just kind of continues to evolve as you grow as an artist and um you know i think it's wonderful so and i know i've enjoyed i've enjoyed your fabric and you know i've been uh, i wear aprons all over the place so i have a lot of um, oh, amy butler prints that i've been sporting around town on aprons <laughs> so it's it's really hilarious but um i'm interested in hearing a little bit about your creative um just upbringing like were you always drawing and designing as a kid or is this something you discovered in yourself as an adult or where did this all come from no, it, 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 it started ever since I can remember. I've been artistically inclined and always making things and 
drawing. That was, that's what I did when I was ever, I was quiet. I was just sitting drawing all the time. I was happy to color all afternoon. And um, I grew up in a super creative household. I kind of funky eclectic, like my, um, I, I get it honestly to my grandmother and my mother. And my, um, my grandmother's a huge gardener, a big cook, and she was always crafting, making stuff. So she did everything, and she did it all really well, which is kind of incredible. But she did a lot of quilting. She did a lot of um, knitting, um, tons of sewing. She's almost, I called her like a MacGyver. <laughs> I love <laughs> so, it. A like, craft I MacGyver. <laughs> she has all these, like, and my grandfather, my grandfather was completely not a handyman at all and, and not a creative guy. He was a real doer, like physical person, but she was the one that always would come up with all the concoctions to, like, make something better in the house. And then she'd make it pretty, you know, she'd, you know, fix some plumbing under the counter, and then she'd make a pretty skirt, you know, in front of the basin or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anything. And then um, my mom is kind of the same way. She's sort of a, a self-taught artist. She did go to art school for a little while, but she's um, a huge nature lover. And so she brought me up, you know, hiking the woods, helping, you know, taught me how to identify wildflowers and trees and birds. And, and she did a lot of, and still does a lot of um, nature drawing and um, watercolors. And she was quite crafty, too. She didn't really pick up the sewing. I picked up sewing from Grandma, but she um, mom did all the grieving macrame in the 70s. Like, they were cute because they would do all the funny, trendy crafts you know, during the 60s. Right. So they did, you know, the hooked rugs, and they did the macrame phase, and then they did the dried flower arrangement phase, which was really handy because they would just go out in the fields, you know, and pick up flowers and stuff. And, yeah. And then, and Mom didn't sew as much, but she did a lot of crochet and things like that. And then our house was kind of odd and quirky and, and wonderful because we were always, we always outfitted the house with, you know, found things from garage sales and flea markets and, um, in auctions, and I can remember being drugged to auctions as a kid and hating it. <laughs> you know, and now I love it. You know, and I think it's just all like your environment really affects how you see things and the things that you warm up to and love. And you know, it definitely has a huge effect on how I design and the things I gravitate towards and how I put my home together. But um, so it definitely started, you know, early on with my family, and it was always supported and nurtured. And my, you know, my mom and grandma were always really thrilled, you know, to help me through, you know, art in high school, and then I went to art school, and when I went to college, too, so. Where did you go to school? I went to um, the Columbus College of Art and Design. Okay. In Columbus, Ohio, and that was back in 1984. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't it funny how when you get over 10 years, I know I've just crossed this milestone myself, and I'm just like, wow. Because first, you know, you get the 10 year out of high school, and you're like, okay, well, that's not so bad. And then you get 10 years out of college, you're like, wow, I'm getting older. (laughs) But, you know, I don't know about you, but I think I find like I'm coming into my own more the older I get, you know? And I I I think it's just, yeah, I think it's wonderful. And, um, so yeah, I celebrate that. And so you're, so it was a, a little while ago when you went to school, but um, what did you do right after school? What what job did you get right after school? Well, I, I had a couple options. I, I majored in fashion design and surface design with a retail advertising focus. In so many words, they had just introduced fashion and surface design in, in school during my sophomore year. So my last two and a half years of school, I, I just absorbed, and that's what I fell in love with. That was my passion. So I graduated with a fashion design portfolio. And I was interviewing with Tahari, which is a sportswear company in New York. And at the same time, I was interviewing with Hallmark Cards in Kansas City, Missouri. Wow. And both both jobs were very interesting. And the Kansas City 
the Kansas City opportunity with Hallmark was, um, you know, I was going to be a creative product developer. Um, I would be working in non-card business, uh, which would be party goods and gift wrap and invitations and stationery. Mm-hmm. And I would be working with business folks and the art design studio and and Kansas City was a lot like Columbus. And so that was very appealing to me in a lot of ways, and I was really impressed when I flew out there to interview. But at the same time, my whole, my whole thrust of what I wanted to do was fashion. And so I, was, I went to New York and interviewed. And um, basically, it, it boils down to, you know, this is how we make our choices a lot of the time. It was, well, we can start you out. Um, we usually have a 90-day trial period, and um, we pay you below about poverty level income. But as soon as you get to that 90 days, we, you know, dramatically increase your pay and, um, and get you on your way. And I thought to myself, you know, and I really didn't care about money. Right. But I was just being logical, and I thought, wow, how would I live? You know, I'd have to try to meet some other women to try to get an apartment in a city that was completely foreign to where I came from. I grew up right. in a small town. I mean, I love New York, but it was kind of overwhelming as a young person coming out of school. So I kind of did a pros and cons list, <laughs> and and Which I, is really and I smart. Said, no, I really want to do this in the worst way, but I don't know how I can do this for ninety days. And at the same time, I, Dave and I, my husband, were really seriously dating, and we knew we were going to spend our lives together and we're going to get married in a couple years. And both of you know, I had to consider David's interests too. Right. And we both looked at each other and was like, you know what? I I don't know if I can live that way for ninety days. And figured out and hope it works out when I have this other opportunity in Kansas City. And he's like, I know. He's like, I need trees. I need grass. I need the sound of birds in my backyard. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I decided to go to Hallmark. And it was it was a real toss-up because the whole Hallmark opportunity was really exciting, too. And it, it was a really, really great job. I really learned an incredible amount of things working there. And, you know, each... You know, I always tell everybody, encourage them that all the experiences you have, all the jobs that you take on, they're for a really good reason. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily going to be the end-all story of your life. Right. But it, you, keeping yourself open to those opportunities, you learn so much. And it helps you, you know, like we said, we like getting older. It's like part of getting older is gaining experiences and making different decisions as you go. And, right. The adventure working, of it, yeah. Yeah, I was just like, this is really, this is good, working at Hallmark, learning all these things, and it ended up that my job was more of a, um, it was creative a small amount of time. It was more of a, um, a job that functioned on a kind of organizing um, a product development, like working more with the business unit, with strategy, business marketing, production, all those things that I really didn't know that much about coming out of college. Which oh, awesome. yeah. And then having to be the liaison between the actual business marketing plan and delivering that to the artist on the boards in the studio across the hall and, and creating the creative plan with product development, product direction, those kinds of things, and communicating that to the studio. And then they would actually make the artwork for the products. And it was more of a tactical kind of organizational business strategy job, and I ended up getting pretty stressed out by it because I wasn't spending enough time on the creative side. Right. So I had to sort of listen to my my spirit and my soul. Yeah. And the anxiety attacks were a telltale sign. This <laughs> yeah, when, you, the best when your chest starts to hurt, it is a sign. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hmm, I think I need to listen to my body and my heart. Yeah. And I just, you know, Dave and I had been in Kansas City four and a half years. And um, actually two years into the job at Hallmark, I was trying to get positioned into another area that might be more creative for me. And the problem is I'm, I have this really 
strong analytical organizational side, so I was doing a great job for them, and they didn't want to move me around. Right. And you've demonstrated competency in what you were doing. Yeah. Yeah, I was a little too good at what I was doing. Yeah, that can hurt you sometimes. So so I, I just... I would kept doing things on the side to make myself happy creatively. You know, when you're an artist, you can't stop that side of you, even though physically, emotionally, I was pretty stressed from the workload at Hallmark. I was encouraged by my drive to make things. And David, you know, was very, he was an art director at a, a great design studio in Kansas City, and he was getting heavily involved in doing fine art shows outside of his design work. And that was really inspiring to me. And at that time, I was collecting tons of, you know, fabric and material, and we were making our first house together. and um, I was doing all this sewing on the side, and I redid my fashion portfolio because I wanted to work for Kristen McClough. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, that's, and I tell everybody that, too, you know, while you're in process, you know, a lot of people wanting to start their own business, and there's that, that gray area where you're, you're wanting to make the leap into going completely on your own, but sometimes you can't financially do that right away. Right. You kind of have to have your feet in both worlds at the same time. And whether or not you're making a shift to start your own business or just shift your career, I think it's really important to honor your creative time to yourself to keep that spark alive. Because mm-hmm. that's the, the impetus that keeps you moving forward. Right. Otherwise, people stall out a little bit, and that's where you stall get out. You can get stuck. Yeah. You, you know, you can, and that makes you unhappy. And you gotta, you gotta always respect that part of yourself, even if it's just a little bitty part, and that's all you could spare. I think that's that's the key. And so that's kind of what got me through the last few years at Hallmark. And, um, and like I said, I really, really am grateful, eternally grateful for that experience. And I worked with great people. It's an amazing company. Um, but knew that that really wasn't the thing that was going to make me happy. And ultimately, we were spending all of our time driving back to Ohio to see our family. So we just decided to up and leave. You know, we had a one-year plan. And I left Hallmark completely and worked as a receptionist in David's design studio. Oh, wow. So that yeah, was quite a change for you. Yeah, It was a big change. And, and the cool thing about that was Deb, who, who managed the business, was like, you know what? You take every Friday off and work on your thing. You know, you can work in the office Monday through Thursday, and then I want you to have Fridays for yourself and keep working on, you know, I was doing a lot of selling my passport bags and designs and getting them in gift shops around the country and stuff. And she was really encouraging which is incredible. She's just one of those people. Well, it's great to have people like that in your life that kind of hold you accountable to your own dreams, you know, and say, okay, you want to do this, so let's make this happen. That's wonderful. No, they're like angels. They're just like, yeah, you know, yeah, they really are. They really are. You know, they're, they're, you, know you, you get these opportunities for a reason, and so... So you were making um, the passport bags, and I, I have read about those. Now, those were bags that you started making when you were at Hallmark. You started, that's when you started yeah. trying to get those into shops around the country. Yeah, and I was doing um, I was doing a lot of fabric assemblages, and I was kind of excited by David's fine artwork he was doing, and so I was doing some sculptural, kind of folk vernacular-looking quilts and three-dimensional dolls and all kinds of fun kooky things, and you know, kind of doing all kinds of fun experiments with all the fabrics that I was working with. The other good side about this position with River City was I I learned all about how to do bookkeeping. <laughs> Which, you know, when you have your own business, that comes in handy. Yeah, and that's the part that none of, you know, those of us who are really um, the creative minds don't, we don't like to do, like, the bookwork and math because it's so boring compared to what we know, what we want to oh, be yeah. doing. It's, but if you don't do it, you're in trouble with the IRS and all kinds of other people if you don't. It could be a problem. It could be a huge problem. <laughs> it could be a, a business-ending problem. Yeah, yeah. So, And over time, you realize, I think it's good to understand how it all works and, and ultimately be involved in and how you're, 
you know, accounting structure set up, but there are professionals that do a very good job at that and love to do it. <laughs> right, right. So have you turned that over to a professional now, or do you still? Yes. Yeah, yeah I, there good was, for you. There was a long period of time where I was doing it all. Once the pattern business started, I was doing the, the bookkeeping for the studio. I mean, Dave and I had our own design business together, Art of the Midwest, for 18 years, and so I, I had always done the bookkeeping for the studio. And, and that's been 1992 when we moved back to Ohio is when we officially started Art of the Midwest together. And then that's kind of got the ball rolling on all of our entrepreneurial experiences. And, and a lot of that, we, we tell everyone it was out of necessity, you know, needing to come back to Ohio, finding work, um, being open to opportunities and just taking one, you know, putting one foot in front of the other and, you know, making it work. So so do you guys both work? Do you, like, do you work from home then? You work, or do you have a studio space? Separate we from have both. Home. Dave and I kept our design studio spaces here in our house, in the lower level of the house. And last August, Amy Butler Design has expanded so much, we just didn't have any room to store the batting anymore, and, and we didn't have any place to park anybody. <laughs> uh. So we had the whole business down here in the lower, lower level of our house. And it just got, we just ran out of space for people and materials. So we, we now lease a, a, this really amazing 1850s house. Uh, it's a Greek revival down in the village. It's like a five-minute walk from the home house here. Oh, cool. And that's where the business is set up. Okay, so do you work there or do you work in your studio space at home? I do a little bit of, a little bit of both. I, I do my creative design work here at home because it's quieter and I can focus more. Right. Um, but I'm down at the other studio quite a bit just working on, you know, kind of managing systems management kind of thing. Right. You know, keeping things moving, production. I'm working with everybody that helps me, so I kind of divide my time between both places. So it sounds like when you moved back at home, that's really when you just decided, okay, we're going to do this business. And I mean, did you have, did you ever imagine that it would be as large as it is right now? No, no, I, no, not at all. I, I, I've always felt like, and Dave and I feel like this together and in, as in individuals, but we've always felt like no matter what we do, it's going to work out. You know, we felt confident about things are going to be good for us in terms of we just kind of started to get used to paying attention to doing the things that make us happy and knowing that whenever we do that things tend to work out so we felt like no matter what we always have choices we can make decisions to rearrange our lives we can scale down we've scaled down to survive before we've gone through rough periods and good times and we always knew that the kind of energy we put into it it was going to be okay and so there is this sort of underlying confidence, which at times, you know, as artists, you don't feel confident at all. Right. There's like a little, a little voice inside, you know, that kind of keeps you going. And we just, we just decided that we were just going to, you know, do the studio and make it work because that was really our best option at the time, and that's what we wanted to do. And then the whole pattern business, I, I thought would be a nice side project. I was doing illustration work full time, and doing um, some product some product development, um, we, did a few, we had a few books in the works, and we were working with, had started working with Chronicle at that time, and we're doing some freelance story production for Country Living Magazine, and so that was all kind of extra projects outside of the scope of my illustration work that I was doing, and then the patterns evolved from the work I was doing with Country Living. Really? And I just thought, oh, this has done really well, I'll just try to take it to the marketplace and see how it goes, you know, and asked people advice on what I should do to get the patterns out there, and they said, you need to go to Quilt Market. So I did that, and after my first show, it just sort of took off. And 
I really thought it would just be a little side business. <laughs> I had no plans, no idea that things would be so well received and go so well, and I'm totally thrilled. So, were you on the staff at Country Living, or were you just doing you're doing freelance work? Just freelance work. Yeah. They have um, they have contributing editors, which is what Dave and I were both contributing editors. So, basically, on a freelance level, quarterly we'd present concepts to Nancy, the editor of the magazine, or she'd come to us with ideas and. It was more or less we were producing stories that had something to do directly with what was going on in our lives at that time. You know, we might be renovating the house, doing a bunch of sewing for the house, and she found out about my vintage fabric collection and knew that I was making a bunch of stuff for the house and making gifts and stuff like that. And she's like, you know, my readers would love that. Mm-hmm. And let's do a beautiful story and let's try to put some how-tos in there. Well, there's no space in the magazine, so, um, and they didn't have a website at the time. So our only option was to try to produce something that they could sell through the magazine to get the projects to readers. And um, a good friend of mine, Nora Corbett, who is a cross-stitch designer, manufactures her own cross-stitch patterns. And she said, why don't you just do sewing patterns and sell them through the magazine? And that's exactly what we did. Oh, to get Wow. It's when Country Living used to have a fulfillment service. So they, I don't know if you remember, they used to have coupons in the coupons, that's what Dave and I call them, coupons. Yeah. <laughs> coupons in the magazine or a 1-800 number you could call, and they would they sold all kinds of different products. So they were kind of already set up to distribute the patterns yeah. that way. And we did it for a couple of years, and it was very popular. And then they stopped their fulfillment service because it was no longer cost-effective for them to keep a, um, a storage space and inventory, a bunch of products. And then, and that's actually the first time I learned about licensing a brand. I licensed the Country Living name for the sewing patterns, so they were Country Living sewing patterns by Amy Butler. So that was a really good experience, too, learning about licensing that way. Right. And um, we did it for a couple of years, and then I still had a lot of interest, and that's how I found out about Quilt Market, and then I was able to start distributing the patterns on a broader base. And kind of go on your own then for the... Yeah, that's exactly. awesome. It's like, whoa, wow, this could be something. Yeah, well, it's something <laughs> the public embraced you right away. And that had to be a great experience, too, to go to your first quilt market and have a good experience and be able to kind of run with it after that. It, it was. It was, um, and it was, it's really neat because it was sort of like an intimate collective that, that really got what I was doing was excited because it was kind of, it was very different from what was being presented at quilt market at the time. And I was primarily focused, my projects were more fashion or home decor focused Mm -hmm. because that's my background. And my background, I do quilting, but that's not the predominant um, design um, focus for anything I've ever worked on, although I love quilting. So I was this this kind of this uh, odd girl with these patterns that weren't quilt patterns. And I had a booth that didn't look like anybody else's. And I had these crazy ideas and it was more fashion and home decor directed and People were excited because it was new. Right, and it was different. There, there was a collective, a small collective that got it right away, and then eventually more and more people um, were attracted to it or got used to the idea or some of their customers were asking for the products and stuff. And so from there, it's just sort of expanded at, at an accelerated pace over the last couple of years. And how soon did the fabric design come into play? That was so cool. It was at my first quilt market. I... Um, I met a few different companies approaching me to design fabric, and that is like the total dream. I've always, always wanted to do that. And um, I really, really enjoyed talking to Donna Wilder, and I think she's a really interesting person, and she owned Free Spirit Fabrics. And um, 
she's the company I ended up going with, and she's a phenomenal person. I mean, that very first show, we hit it off, and we started brainstorming, and by that next fall, that was a spring, by that next October, I had my first collection gypsy caravan with them. Wow. Yeah. That's fast. Yeah, it was, it was um, I guess it was May to May, so it was like a... I mean, about a year later, I guess. Yeah, but just to think, though, like, you know, you go to your first show, and then by the next year, you have, <laughs> you have a fabric I know, it's line. That's it really awesome. Really is. Yeah. And, it's, and that's been another really interesting growth experience, too, because, you know, I was excited about the fabric just because it's just something I've always wanted to do, and that's where my heart is. And, and then to see over time how beautifully the fabrics and the sewing patterns work together in terms of supporting the other. You know, it's really wonderful to be able to work with your own fabric and on your projects that you design. Oh, yeah. Because you're be able to share that with other people and for them to be able to put those two pieces together, too. So that's, it's been really cool to see how well they, they work together. And so how many fabric lines have you done since then? I just counted yesterday. <laughs> I've done nine total lines. Wow. Congratulations. And, that's wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, um, I've been designing fabric for six years, and I have nine lines total. So there are a couple years in there where we launched, um, obviously, you know, two, two lines within the year. And yeah. that's kind of the pace. Um, this last, these last few months, I had a few collections kind of come out kind of close together because of um, production uh, schedules in Asia where they print the fabric. Sometimes there's a little bit of a backup. And... Um, so we're in quick promotion mode, you know, supporting all the launches right now. So it's been kind of a different experience having more than one line come out within a few months. Yeah. So you're kind of, you have to remember what line you're talking about and exactly. <laughs> which one was which that? What am I doing right now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So which, which, what are your new, your newest lines are? Which ones? Well, I've got, um, August Fields is my new home decor line. Okay. And, and I think I did see a couple of prints from that. You see, I, in West Michigan, we do not have... I have not found yet, and I don't think it exists, um, a fabric store that has, like, all, like, everything. Like, I want to walk in and see everything, and I don't, I haven't found that yet. <laughs> That's probably asking a lot of a small business, but I, <laughs> I want to see it all. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, that's a, that's, that's um, an unusual experience to, to be able to see them all together right yeah. right but you know i i guess it's a tall order but yes that's what i would really love to see. <laughs> you could keep bringing them special gifts and pro you know try to keep encouraging them or, but um yeah i've got august fields is, is just shipping the stores right now it started shipping about 10 days ago and so it takes it takes about a month before the line has legs yeah know, and it's actually you know. up and available for the public yeah, when you actually see it you know, um, represented at retail. It takes a while. And, and, you know, the retailers work so hard when they bring in the new line. They, they've got so much behind-the-scenes work they have to do to get ready to bring the fabrics in. And then they're busy, you know, selling up samples and, and making projects and things like that to, you know, encourage people to, to pick up the fabric exactly. and play with it and stuff. So they've, they've definitely got their work cut out for them bringing in a lot of new material. But we're actually, this weekend, Dave and I are doing a big photo shoot at my friend's farm for August Fields, a bunch of lifestyle shots, um, and Daisy Chain, which is my new quilting line. I'm excited about this one. I'm big time into quilting. Thank you. Yeah, I'm very excited about <laughs> Have that. Have you seen little snippets of it? I've seen little snippets, yes, and it's just ridiculous because on the computer, it's just like, oh, I want to grab onto this fabric. You know? <laughs> I think, I mean, and that's yeah. one of the things that you can get pretty much any fabric you want on, you know, online. But there's just something that you know it doesn't ever replace the feeling of going into a fabric store 
being able to touch the fabrics and put the fabrics next to each other and bring some, you know, another bolt over and, you know, but, um, yeah. So, but yeah, that's wonderful. So yeah, I'm excited about the daisy chain. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's kind of the, um, you know, all these, all the related pieces, you know, when, you know, from, you know, creating the line to going through production and strike off stage and then sampling and getting advanced yardage to, to sew and play with. And then this whole idea of the photo shoot we've been driving for, Oh, about six weeks now, um, making a lot of garments and a lot of new projects. I've got two new patterns coming out for fall, so a lot of the samples, you know, are helping to support the new sewing patterns, too. So what, what are those patterns of? Can you... gonna, there's going to be an apron pattern. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. <laughs> you love them because they're, they're very garment-looking. I mean, you could actually wear them. You know. Oh, I wear them anyway. So, yeah, yeah. so this would be actually, them. people won't notice, maybe. Um. I don't think so. I mean, they're open. you have to wear some pants. Okay. They're open in the back. <laughs> I so, always wear pants. That's up to you. I don't know what kind of lifestyle you need. That's totally cool. I'm a Midwestern girl, too, so, you know, <laughs> it's not that racy, you know. <laughs> I don't me either. It's like, oh. Um, but um, so the really great apron pattern. There's a bunch of different shapes and combinations with a full apron or the half apron. There's two distinct styles, and um, so there are lots of cool options with um, with that pattern. And then another garment, a really simple beginner halter top. It's oh, sort cool. of a drawstring, keyhole, neckline, very simple zipper construction in the back. And I'm making that in a huge variety of sizes, all the way up to XXL down to little girl sizes. Oh, how cute. Because it's a really cute mother-daughter yeah, so everybody can wear it. Yeah, everybody can wear it. Yep, that's I'm cool. Really excited about that one. Yeah, too. well, I think that's great too. And you um, come up with a design that can be like anybody can, like an apron. I mean, that anybody can wear an apron. And um, it sounds like the other halter top. It's that's wonderful. So people don't be like, hmm, I don't know if I could pull that one off and put it back down. So that's great marketing on your on your part to think of it that way too. Oh, thanks. We we yeah. want to try to to have projects that a lot of people can make and enjoy and make sure that they're approachable and that you're going to be successful and have fun with it and run with it. You know, that's the best when someone starts with a pattern and, you know, completely embellishes or adds flourishes or alters shapes or adds pockets or whatever. And it's, it's so cool to see how people, you know, just take it as a jumping off point and, you know, really enjoy being creative with the projects too. And that brings me to another issue here is with, I think, you know, designers and I, you know, I cannot speak, I'm not a designer, but I, in talking to a lot of designers and just kind of observing what goes on, um, you know, where designers come up with these great project ideas and patterns and put out this great fabric. And then you have the people, you know, the, the, the in, kind of indie business owners out there who people who want, make things to sell. Um, right. And it, that sometimes this comes into conflict because not everyone is on the same page when it comes to, um, you know, what, what um, right a designer has to their own work and their, right. their designs, you know, cause Etsy has opened the door to, I mean, this wonderful global market for people oh, who yeah, make things incredible. by hand, but how have you been able to, cause that must've been something that was kind of shocking to you at first, or maybe not shocking, but maybe, um, a tad overwhelming at first when you're you find success as a designer very popular with your designs and your fabrics everybody wants to work with it i mean it's very very popular but the, there's a downside to that i i'm, I'm gathering it when you have people that are coming on board and um maybe taking your designs and you know profiting from them i mean how have you been able to kind of resolve that in your head and just be able to c- 
continue to do your business and not go crazy thinking about all that. Well, you know, you you kind of have to put things in perspective, too. I mean, with the fabric, I mean, that's that's phenomenal, you know, for people to, the fabric's made for things to be be made and produced. And and the Etsy's and the eBay folks in the world, it's, it's great to have materials that are beautiful that they can use to make their products to sell. And at first it's overwhelming and you don't really understand the scope of things. And it takes a certain level of growing up and maturity to understand how to put things in perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, really, um, that's a huge compliment that that many people are enjoying working with your fabrics. And really, in truth, it's those designs are made for people to make things with. And, you know, what I can, what I can do when I do my other licensing programs where I'm working on product development, I can just design proprietary prints to go with those products. So in the end, there's something for everybody. Does that mm-hmm. make sense to you? Yeah. So, so you're, it's, it's fine with you then. It sounds like for people to oh, take your patterns and everything and make things to sell and not the sewing patterns, but no, um, but the fabric, the, the fabric, fabric is... absolutely. And, and the sewing pattern is confusing too, because, um, a lot of people don't understand copyright, and copyright as it stands for, and I'm, I mean, I don't mean to say that generally, because there are a lot of nuances to copyrights and levels of copyrights. It's, it's very, it's subjective, and it's sophisticated, and there's a lot of good information out there, and there's a lot of good perspectives from every side that I think need to be taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of gray areas, a lot of, you know, I'm myself included in terms of understanding some of the nuances of copyright in different categories. But when it comes to the, the products that I'm directly involved in, with, I've spent a lot of time making sure I understand copyrights and patterns and making sure I'm within my bounds as a designer to be able to protect the designs that I develop. Because it's not just me, but it's also the businesses that rely on the sales of the sewing patterns right. um, for their livelihood. So it's a long chain of connectedness. And I, and I believe that must be the reason why copyrights on patterns and books were established in the first place. I mean, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. Um, and so if you look at companies like McCall's and Vogue and a lot of the big pattern manufacturers, they have a very basic copyright, which is the same one I use, that essentially just says, you know, these designs are created by copyright for your own personal use. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's a fair, fair uh, contribution to ask for working with folks. But I think a lot of folks just don't realize that copyrights do exist on certain patterns. And I think people honestly aren't aware and might be making things to sell and don't realize that they do have a copyright. I mean, that's just a lot of people starting in crafts and things don't realize that. Yeah, and that's and that's as you said, there is there is a little bit of a learning curve for everyone. But um, totally. But the part that I mean, the way that designers really make their living is to. I mean, you sit. I mean, you go to your studio at home and you're you're standing you're standing there and you have a blank slate and you have to come up with your design and um, you're not picking up a pattern from somebody else using your right. fabric and then stop trying to sell. It your product. So, um, that's, yeah. And that's the part. And I think a lot of the people that are, um, accomplished sewers out there, you know, seamstresses that are making these wonderful things, um, based on patterns. I think sometimes people just think that they have to have a pattern, you know, and they don't trust themselves to just kind of step outside the lines a bit and just make something, you know, I Um, I totally believe that. I think that, and I tell everybody that, that, and and a lot of people are so they, they write or email or call and say, I just want to make sure, can I do this or can I do this? Or, and it's really nice for people to ask me, like, I really love this. I really think I could make these. And, 
and I would say, you know, if I can do this, you can do this. Obviously, you do beautiful work. You know, you know, I, I always encourage people to to reinterpret things, come up with your own designs, and totally run with something original. Because if and I'm a basic seamstress. If I can do it, you guys can do it. So I <laughs> encourage everybody. And and I think if people just try it a couple times, and they're you know, you have to build your confidence. And I think that it just takes a little time to experiment. I think if you have you make something from scratch the first few times and you make a lot of mistakes and you figure things out. And, you know, I think it's good to look at patterns and learn from them on construction, you know, how to do certain techniques and things like that. Right. That's absolutely um, a great way to get ideas on how to put things together. You know, um, I think patterns are fabulous for that. And, and there's no reason why you shouldn't use a lot of patterns to get construction ideas and things and just come up with your own shape. Yeah, well, it's also really fun, too, just to be able to walk through a fabric store and, and, and see a, a great pattern that's, you're like, wow, I really love that dress, or I love that handbag, and grab oh, it and yeah. make it. You don't have to, it saves you a lot of time. You know, if you have something to go to that weekend, you're not going to probably design a whole dress before. Uh, no, not likely. Yeah, and most people <laughs> like would not. Wonder Woman. Yeah, so I don't think the pattern <laughs> thing is ever going to go out of style. What, can you talk a little, a little bit about your design process? What? It, how do you come up with these designs? Well, I, um, I, I come up with... I got things. I have things going from all different directions, but essentially, when I work on my designs, I I purchase antique documents from design libraries. So I start with vintage artwork that I buy, and then I take several different pieces and combine them and make pieces and style and create new pieces of art to accompany different elements. So I kind of collage and pull elements and paint new pieces and kind of recreate original pieces of art from elements from vintage designs that I purchase. And then I work with everything in black and white first. For me, I don't know how to paint or draw or work on the computer. I do everything by hand. And so I do everything in black and white first so that I can balance out the collection and come up with my core series of prints. And I usually have between 8 to 10, sometimes 11 base designs in my collection. And for me, working in black and white first, I can stand away and balance out the scale-shaped elements and, and have the energy and flow of all the pieces work beautifully together before I even start to think about applying my color palette. Wow. And that's something that I picked up in art school. I mean, that's a lot of the design classes that I worked in. That was just a series of steps that we took in order to get to the end result. And it's just a way to sort of neutralize your eye before you go crazy with color. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes, I mean, color is wonderfully distracting, you know, because we it get is. all excited I about mean, the color. Is. And it sounds like the method you're using, you, you know you have a solid, strong design before you even get to that point. So That's exactly it. Like, we were always taught, you know, you have to have a good drawing. You have to have a good design. You can put all the pretty colors you want on something, but if your essential artwork doesn't have any legs, it's not going to work no matter how much you put color on it or texture on it. And that's why... I think working from hand that way, it helps me. I mean, that's sort of how I was trained. But then the color is fun because I kind of don't have to fret about. I know the color is going to work because my design foundation is strong. Mm -hmm. And when I do color palettes, I make, for any given collection, I make between five to eight different color stories. And I make these storyboards where I collage, you know, magazine tears with color ideas and um, swatches of old fabric and pairs of plastic advertising from <laughs> some place that has a great green on you know, I just wow. these crazy color boards and then 
I um, I do a combination of um, like PMS swatches and painted swatches, okay. and I build the base color palette based on the color collaging or the color story that I build. And then then I have to edit down. It's all about editing. <laughs> the whole process is, you know, even when I start with my base designs, it's like I always have more than what I need. So then you have to be a little, you know, tough love. You have to edit down to the best ones, you know, trust your instincts. And then it's the same with the color palettes. I can only do, you know, typically three to four color storage and any delivery. So I hone them down to the best, you know, three or four color stories. And then I get to work at placing the color and the design. And that's, I would do, I would do like design overlays. I would do painted overlays and it's very time consuming. So I'm kind of doing a combination of both right now. David is helping me, um, on the computer, teaching me how to do color placement with some of the layouts. Okay. So I can scan in my artwork and then I can go in and color, color key my palettes and start to position some of the colors that way. And then some of the things that are hand drawn have to be handled a little bit differently, but Really, the programs are so sophisticated, and this is my lack of knowledge because I was never trained on the computer. I really rely on Dave's technical understanding of all the layers and all that stuff yeah. to help me get things where they need to go. So. But do you think that you'll always want to do the initial stages of your design just by hand on paper? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just, I think that's just, that's my comfort zone. You know, that's, you know, it's how I was trained, and I don't have enough confidence on the computer be able to, to design on the computer so well and it's a much different it's just a different tactile feel too I mean because you're not you know you're kind of moving a mouse or clicking and typing and that's just a whole different experience when you're jotting down notes and you're just kind of moving stuff around on a table you know so that's it sounds mm-hmm. like you're going to want to keep doing that <laughs> yeah, yeah and I love I love it I mean that's, that's um, I mean I like I love all stages of you know getting the artwork completed but that's that's kind of my favorite part of the process. So how exciting is it for you when you get to see the first swatches of that fabric come back? Oh, it's nuts. It's unbelievable. It's like Christmas. <laughs> Do you sew a bunch of <laughs> stuff right away? You flat artwork, and it comes back printed on fabric at every coloration that you spec, you know. Um, it's amazing. You must have so quite exciting. a stash at your house. Oh, it's getting out of control. Yeah. <laughs> i got to figure out what I'm going to do. Have you built an outbuilding to accommodate it yet? Well, we, we do run a storage locker. Yeah. Because I try to keep um, at least a yard or two of all the fabrics I've designed for historical reference. You know, yeah. Any fabric laying around is free game. <laughs> so you put away the stuff that so you don't make sure you don't cut up your last keep, yard. You know, just so I know that I have a little piece of something, you know, if I ever want to go back and look at it and play with it and stuff. I mean, I, I have no idea what I'm going to do in 10 years with all that fabric, but <laughs> I'm trying not to think that too, that far ahead. Yeah, just keep doing what you're doing because it seems to be working yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keep the storage business and <laughs> the, yeah, keep the storage locker happy. Yeah, they're happy to see you coming with more fabric. But yeah. yeah. So do you sell your own fabric too, or do you leave that up to the um, fabric stores? I leave it up to the fabric stores, um, and I don't sell the patterns either. Right, you're just doing all that. Do you do you yeah. sell anything direct? I do. I, I do. I have. I launched my web store last year, and um, I self-manufactured some pillows in the past and some bags. And then my licensed products, I am selling um, aside from fabric and 
aside from the fabrics, I am selling on my web store. Okay. And the tell now fill the listeners at home. Cause I talk, I talked to Nan who works with you and yesterday and it was hilarious. Cause she was like, and she's doing this and she's doing that. And she's doing, and I was just like, Oh my goodness. You know, and I was in my car driving. I'm like, I can't write all this down, Nan. I, I'm, I'm never going to remember this, but um, we were just laughing. Cause I thought, wow, this woman is very, very busy. But um, yeah. So tell us, okay. So you have the fabric, you have books. I know, um, your latest book, um, unless you have something that just came out very recently, um, Amy Butler's Little Stitches for Little Ones is yeah. a very cute book. Thank you. A lo- lovely book. Um, so you have that out. Um, you have three fabric lines coming out. Um, <laughs> what, else are, what else do you have in the marketplace right now? Well, I've got my, um, I have a partnership with Mikasa, and I, line, I designed a line of tableware for them called Vintage Botanica. Awesome. And we premiered the line in New York. Back in April, which is their market week for the industry, where buyers come through and press comes through to see the line, and it's it's a fall launch, so that means the product will start shipping to stores um, probably by by mid to end October. So we're in this big push right now for promotion. We're getting great press on the collection, and we're getting ready to launch it up on our web store and website. Oh, awesome! So, so people will be able to click over there and see what this is all about. See absolutely. photos. It's really it's nice to have the interface between the website where you get all the luscious lifestyle images. And yeah, you can see what the product looks like. You can't quite feel it, but you get a really good idea. And then um, you can click right over to the web store if you want to look around and look at individual items. And if you wanted to pre-order, you can pre-order. So it's it's been a really cool learning experience working in a completely different category. Everything from product design to you know, how their business structure is set up and sales and marketing and promotion and getting the product to market. And we have, we have some incredible press relationships and blog relationships with um, friends all over. And it's been really nice to be able to relate new things with them too. And it's, it's been incredible the kind of response we've had so far. Well, that's great. So, and how different is that when you design, you're designing something that's going to be like tableware as opposed to, um, fabric, you know, I mean, is it the same design principles or did you have to really adjust? There are, I think it is the same design principles. And I think the way that I approached it, similar to the way I designed fabric collections, it's the layering, you know, print on print and the color on color. Mm-hmm. And um, it takes a certain amount of refinement and thinking about proportion and scale because you're working on a three-dimensional shape versus right. a flat two-dimensional um, line. And so that that was interesting, but it's really the same kind of thinking, you know, well, how will this also look good on this plate? And that's what's really beautiful about this grouping is that each different layer relates really well with the next layer that you put on top, like the charger and the dinner plate and that it's solid color touches on the outside of bowls and on the inside of cups with little flourishes. And so each piece has to stand on its own, but then collectively has to work together without overwhelming, you know, because on a right. table, you want to be able to build it up as lush and crazy as you want and have it work, but be able to pare it down for everyday use too and have it work. So I think my background with, you know, lifestyle and home decor and all that definitely came in, came in handy as a stylist and thinking about, you know, how I would like to work with the dishes in my home or how I might set up a story with them. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was really fun. Well, I think that'll be really fun for people to, to see. So we'll direct them over there to your website to check that out. Um, and so what else is there? I know there's more. <laughs> I just, we just launched on the web store, um, I have a collection of 100% um, post-consumer waste recycled gift wrap and 
tableware, and the, the paper tableware is actually recyclable, too. Very cool, because I know that's a passion of yours, the environment is a concern. It is. Yeah. It's, a, it's really um, a huge part of the foundation of how I decide to work on things that I work on um, and, and try to do it as, as conscientiously as I can. And, and it's, it's all about balance. You know, and there's certain processes and techniques available in different industries, and, and some of them are up and coming, and so... Um, there's a level of sustainability and consciousness in all that we're doing, and, and some categories have made huge strides, and this is one of them, for sure. And um, it, it's incredible, the quality of the paper and, and the tableware, and it's um, a collection that we did with a company called Gift Wrap Company, and they've been really wonderful partners, and you can see all the imagery on the website, too. So we've been in heavy promotion mode, like all these programs coming out, and We've been living with the finished product for a little while and, you know, have been living with the designs for a while and, and now to actually see it in the marketplace and have people dig it is really fun. So that's, that's pretty new too. And then, um, I have a new stationery collection coming out with Chronicle called Lucky Flowers and that's going to be shipping to stores probably by month's end and we'll have that up on the site soon and my new cane company, um, scrapbook collection. Paper craft collection. So this is um, the first for you to go into the scrapbook realm. Is that is that true, or have you done something else that I wasn't aware of? This is no. I I was with Kane Company. This is my second collection. Oh, okay. Now. Okay. And my first collection um, was Bell last last spring, and then this this is my second collection with them this summer, and it's called Lotus. And the cool thing about um, Kane Company is they've they've been repositioning their company's focus on the environment as well, and together. We came out with a 100% post-consumer waste soy ink printed wow, paper collection. Wow, great. Yeah, so it's, and it's beautiful. It's um, uh, parts of the collection previewed exclusively at Michael's stores for a period, and now the full collection with all the extras for the independent stores um, are going to be releasing in the next few weeks. So hopefully we'll, we'll start to see that um, in store. Hopefully by mid-September, I would think everybody would probably have some stuff. Wow. For, um, for everyone to see. But um, that's another big photo shoot next week. Um, developed a bunch of fun free paper craft downloads again and um, got a, a bunch of um, fun lifestyle ideas ready to shoot here in the next couple weeks. Um, and now my, my, um, my hot off the press thing, which is a line that won't be available until um, I think the bedding will be available in going to be spring, probably early spring, maybe May. I'm doing an organic, sustainable bedding collection with a company called Wellspun. Wow. That launches in Market Week, September 15th. So I'll be going, Dave and I will be going to New York in a couple weeks and launching the line to um, industry buyers and the press. Excellent. Really so you are so that. busy. Well, so I very have a busy. lot of help. Yeah. I do, you know, there's just no way one human being could do all this. And I, you know, work with David, and I have a group of people at my studio that help pull all these pieces together. And How big is your staff? We just grew by three people full-time. Wow. <laughs> I'm going through um, growing pains, and it's really been an incredible growth period for the studio, and um, Diane Barkas, who has been selling with me for nine years, just came on full-time, and um Linda Sandin is our new uh, receptionist, and she's in charge of the pattern orders and the pattern business. 
And it's so funny, all these roles were taken up by one or two people just within the last three years, and, and it's grown so much that we've had to help have other people help facilitate all the processes. So I'm doing all the design work, and David's helping me do a lot of the licensing um, production and positioning. And then Diane Barkas is helping me with all the sewing, and she helps me with the, um, facilitate the pattern, sewing pattern development and helps me with my project books. And um, then we have Kim Lemon, who's in charge of my web store. And Susan Alger is in charge of my trunk shows, which has been growing in huge demand. And then Nan, that you know, is in charge of press and promotion. Mm-hmm. And I just hired um, Bonnie Fowler, who is my new um, product manager, to kind of help see everything come to fruition I, um, Diane Capacity is our studio manager who helps with bookkeeping and finances and helping manage everybody to keep things moving. And between the two of us, it's been too much for us to do our regular workload and for me to design enough that um, we've been doing so much managing that we've had to bring someone else in to help guide all those pieces. And so that's what Bonnie's going to do for us. And she comes from this incredible creative and business background and she's a writer and um, super, super creative person that's going to be able to help guide. You know, there are a lot of pieces behind the scenes of the designs that have to get the product to the marketplace and I want to make sure that every piece is presented in a way that people can connect immediately with what we're doing and feel as good about it as we do. Right. And that's a lot of technical facilitation that needs to happen, you know, from scheduling, you know, everything down to you know, working with the the other companies in terms of finding out when the product is going to get here and doing the photo shoots and lining up all the product information for wholesale and retail and doing all the promotional work to get the word out to the press and all of our friends and the actual launch of the product and facilitating the relationships with the different licenses. So there's a lot of there's a lot of business to the business. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, it a sounds like technical. you're. It sounds like you're surrounded by a great team of people that Amazing. make. I can't tell you. Um, I just can't tell you how blessed I am to work with these people, and um, it's just it's incredible. Just whenever we've needed to grow and find someone, we found found the right person to help us, and it's been incredible. Well, it's great when things work out that way, and it sounds like um, you're. I mean. It, it's just incredible because it sounds like your story is like you never set out and said, David, we're going to have an army of people working. Well, it's not an army, but we're going to have a group of people working for us and we're going to do all these things. We're going to do, you know, from dish sets to bedding. <laughs> I mean, you never really approach it like that. And, and most people don't have like this big, I'm going to do everything kind of plan. But it's so wonderful to see how you've kind of just continued to add things and um, build your staff and, you know, give people a creative place to work because that sounds like a wonderful place to work. I mean, to be a part of the, the Amy Butler team must be incredible. And um, so what do you think? I mean, looking back, how or actually how long did you do this by yourself where you were like Amy Butler was just doing all the Amy Butler stuff with David, of course? Uh, for three years. Wow. Three of the, three of the seven years. And then you know, Diane Barkas came in and, and was helping me with the pattern orders and helping me with the sewing, and helping me with the pattern development. And, and then between the two of us it got, and David, it got to be too much. And David's done all the photography and graphic design and, and you know, developed my website and has helped me with the pattern, you know, pattern designs. And now we have Jake, who's a full-time designer in the studio, that helps do all those pieces. And Dave's helping me with the growth and all the licensing. Wow. So, 
Yeah, I mean, for, for about three, three and a half years, um, I was doing it all, and then Diane came in and started help, to help me. And, and, then, and then it just and snowballed. Then needed help, and then, and then that little pod needed help. And, when the help needs help. You when know. the help needs help. That's kind of how it's been. Like yeah. We, so what's kind of neat about that, too, is that we all understand what needs to happen to have those pieces work. Right, because you've done and, the job. So you've done the job, and so it's... Um, it's uh, it's been really fun to see that just sort of naturally evolve. Yeah, well, it's well, and congratulations because I think it's Thank just wonderful. You. I love hearing the stories of how people just kind of grow this dream, really. You know, water it, give it some sunlight, you know, and just kind of go with it. Mm-hmm. And you've done that, and um, I find your work very inspiring. And oh, thank you. And David's photography is fantastic too. I, I think that's um, Midwest modern would not have been. It couldn't be what it is without those oh, great no images. And um, so that's really inspiring and um yeah i'm i'm a nutcase who <laughs> carries my book around to oh low so i'm getting some paint you know I mean? <laughs> <laughs> a little touch of the paint on the page yep that's a good match <laughs> you know that's it's kind perfect because that's what the book's all about yeah it's all about people getting in touch with their own inspiration yeah and i think it's really it's really great to see that and i don't know do you have any um before i let you go do you have any advice for the the, the listeners out there who are at that point where they have this idea and they want to you know just go with it. I mean, what, what do you, what do you, um, advise them to do to get things started? I, I think they should keep, keep going with it and whatever they have to do to support that idea that they have, they need to give it as much space as they can. And, and sometimes that reality when you're first getting started is you're working a full-time job, you've got a family, um, you've got, you know, friends, you've got this whole other part of your life. And I think that to let everybody know, that this is important to you and and affirm that this is important to you and, and honor that and you'll start seeing little doors opening and when your family and friends know about what you care about they want to support you too right and 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 that support makes all the difference in the world and I think you you start you know um, your opportunities start developing for yourself even if it's just you having more hours in a week from time to time to be able to make the things that you love and then it's just Getting, sharing, getting the word out, showing what you're making to other people. And, and maybe it's, you know, opening an Etsy shop or an eBay store or a Yahoo store. And there's so many great ways now that didn't, of getting your product out there that didn't exist when I got started. And <clears throat> the internet is a fantastic tool to be able to also meet other people in the craft handmade community mm-hmm. because you, you realize that you're not the only person in the world struggling to balance all these pieces in your life. Right. You realize how connected we all are and how much we can help each other and support each other. And I think you just have to believe in what you're doing and, and put yourself out there in whatever capacity that you can. And the more energy you put into it, the more it comes back to you. So you just got to stick with it no matter what. I think that's the simplest advice I could give anybody. Well, I think it's great advice. You're very well oh, spoken. Thank so thank you for being so generous with your time. I really appreciate that. Wasn't that fun? Thank you so much, Amy, for stopping by the Craft Sanity Podcast. I really appreciate it. And again, thank you so much for your generosity, for sending along all those great goodies. I hope you know you're going to make a lot of people very happy. If you want to get a chance to win one of the fabulous prizes that Amy has sent along, either a copy of her book, Stack of Fat Quarters, pattern head over to craftsanity.com and post a comment about this podcast i don't know if there's you know anything you 
want to say about some of the things you've made with Amy's Fabric or just something you want to say about fabric design or business, having a business. If any of you have some advice for what people can, can do to kind of uh, go out there and and do you know do some of their own things by taking a pattern and maybe really making it their own. We'll pick some new people every day, and we're going to run this contest until the the goodies are gone. Let's do this through November fifteenth. And a special thanks to Jill Zelinsky, who sponsored the, this episode of Craft Sanity. She's a graphic designer who knits, so be sure to check out her websites. Uh, she sells the gift tags and note cards at knitterella.com read her blog at knitterellablog.blogspot.com and check out her design work that she does at jillzelinskydesigns.com and a special thanks to megan cooley the journalist crafter and blogger at pennycarnival.com shop for her handmade items for children at pennycarnival.etsy.com and read her blog at pennycarnival.typepad.com Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. I really appreciate it. And thanks to those of you who thought happy thoughts for me last week when I went on to the little local morning show here in Grand Rapids. And um, I did okay. I didn't break anything. I didn't swear. I didn't, you know, black out. I actually had a great time, which was really surprising. I was surprised at how much fun I had. If you'd like to see the clip of me, since it wasn't a complete train wreck, I did go ahead and post that. I appreciate all the positive feedback and support. You guys are really great, and I think that's one of the cooler things about the craft community is that there's so much wonderful support out there. We have more great shows coming up. I have two other shows taped. I'm going to bring you the interview with the Double Stitch Twins next week, and then that will be followed up by a really interesting conversation with Anna Maria Horner. That will be coming up, and you'll get also get a chance to win her new book, which is fabulous. It's going to be fun. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thanks for listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast with Jennifer Ackerman Haywood. Visit CraftSanity.com for more information about today's guests and links to subscribing to the podcast. Want to support the show? Follow the link to vote for Craft Sanity on Podcast Alley once a month. You can also make a donation or buy goods at the Craft Sanity store. Have a suggestion for a future guest or have other feedback? Email jennifer at craftsanity.com. Thanks again for listening to Craft Sanity.